When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Writing Excuses, Season 3, Episode 12, Subplots. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. All right, let's dig into it. Dan, what is a subplot? A subplot is a, uh, a secondary plot and another thread of story that uh, runs along parallel to the main story. And there could be lots of them. They might last the full length of the main story or they might come and go, depending on uh, how big of a story you're telling. Um, sometimes they relate directly to the, to the main theme, and sometimes they don't. Okay. All it's right. It's just an extra little story in there to flesh out the main one. Okay. Well, that launches us into why, Howard. Why subplots? You are very good with subplots in oh, Schlock Mercenary. Why do you use them? Um... Because the main plot is usually only developing uh, maybe two or three characters at the most. Yeah. And if there isn't something else happening, everybody else feels like a cardboard cutout. Yeah. Everybody else has to have something interesting. Everybody else, everybody in the book feels like they are the hero of their right. own story. Right. Mm -hmm. And if for that to be true, well, they got to be doing something, even if they're just sweeping. All right. So reason number one to flesh out other characters um, for the express purpose of making the world feel more real. Yeah. Um, I would add another reason, depending on your genre, can simply be uh, to keep the tension high. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes you've got a large overarching plot where it doesn't feel really tense because you're taking little steps yeah. towards something huge. The, the, the scope of your main plot is usually so big that especially in the, the early scenes, um, when that is still developing, you need something else in right. there to, to add that tension or add that emotion or whatever it is that the current phase of the main plot isn't doing. Right. And, you know, one other reason is the, the whole explain something small in great detail right. and then give something big a wide miss. Um, in the uh, most recent Harry Potter movie, the subplots of uh, confused, horny teenagers mm -hmm. was brilliantly, ex brilliantly executed, brilliantly acted. I believed that those 20-year-old kids were 15 and 16-year-old right. teens, and they had me completely convinced. And that sells the rest. the rest of the story. So those subplots had me firmly embedded in a universe in which you can dip your head in a fishbowl and see somebody else's memories. Well, and that's a good point, is uh, subplots can provide realism in that way. Right. You, if, if you buy into a little subplot about a character who is sad or depressed or angry or whatever he is, 
then all of a sudden you're connected to that story and you're connected to that book Tom and Clancy that's going to make that. everything else feel more real. Oh, Tom Clancy's subplots. I love the fact that every so often you would switch to a point of view of somebody you've never had yeah. and that would ratchet up the tension because you realize, you know, this guy, he's in the path of a thing that might kill him. Right. And mm -hmm. I may just be getting his story in order to find out what it's like to get hit by a falling tank or you know whatever's happening right. um, <laughs> that, that happens all the time in Tom Clancy yes. books just tanks fall on everyone especially when uh, clear and present Incredible Hulk that was yeah. a great one <laughs> you know one, one of the craziest subplots that Clancy did that I thought was just brilliant was, and I can't remember the book but it, it, I think the book actually started with a Japanese businessman who was admiring a tree it was from the sum of all Spider-Men <laughs> And he, he buys this tree. And then you go off and you get a whole chunk of book. And then it comes back to this guy. And he's shipping the tree across land. And then you go back somewhere else. And all through the book, there's this yes. dude with his tree. And you don't know why. And it eventually paid off so brilliantly um, <laughs> when it tree, finally connected the to the main story. The tree fell off a boat and hit a submarine. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big tree. <laughs> it better be a big tree. Um, I suppose a little tree could hit a submarine. It depends on what kind of... It just yeah. wouldn't. Um, another reason for subplots, I would say, is your learning curve. Um, with a subplot, you can introduce an element of the story or world before it becomes important to the main plot, which allows you to play with it a little bit, show what it is, so that later on when it becomes vitally important to the main characters as part of the main plot, you've, you've foreshadowed it. Um, yeah. it. It helps you with your learning curve. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I have the ability to do that. I'm not completely convinced I'm going to do that, but I have the ability to do that with the current Schlock Mercenary storyline in that we have been exploring through subplot some of Schlock's sensory abilities. Right. And, well, they may just come in handy. Um, then again, I might screw that up. I don't know. I'll reiterate also Never. the um, keep the tension high thing because I think we got distracted from it. Your characters are making this long march um, to this distant point, and that's very important. Mm -hmm. Well, them running out of food for a couple of days and having to go hunting or this sort of thing yeah. can, Matt, can give us an immediate threat that can be overcome quickly, which gives us a sense of progression because we're accomplishing things, and it makes our, our characters... Protag, I think Dan Willis described the three-act format, and he, he was quoting somebody else as, uh, you know, act one, uh, chase the characters up a tree, act two, throw rocks at them, act three, chop down the tree. No, um, that was Brandon Mull, actually. Was it Brandon Mull who yeah, described yeah. that? Okay, fantastic. Subplot is act two, while the characters are having rocks thrown at them up in the tree, one of the actors pulls out a saw and starts cutting branches off the tree. Why? I don't know. But or it's two of the characters start to have a romance while the rocks are hitting them. Um, or one of the rocks hits a beehive. Yeah, okay, there's, that's a great one. Um, subplot. So, all right, I think we've beaten to death what a subplot is, um, specifically and why you want so to use them. So do's and don'ts? Do's and don'ts. Subplots. Um, Howard? Don't make the subplot more interesting than the main plot. Ooh, this is a big danger. It's, it's really dangerous, and I actually think that the most recent Harry Potter film did that. Ooh. When I, I watched Harry Potter, I came out of it, I thought, wow, I was totally sold. Um, the main plot in the book of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince mm -hmm. was, you know, who is the Half-Blood Prince, and how does this tie into the Horcruxes and all mm -hmm. this other stuff uh, in the film? 
all I really got was confused, horny teenagers and, oh, cool, wizard fireballs at the end. Okay. Yeah, and I've read that in countless reviews that the revelation of, <clears throat> excuse me, of the Half-Blood Prince really felt tacked on because they let subplots overwhelm their main plot. All right, so yeah. why not? Why is this a bad thing? Well, it's a bad thing. First of all, it's a difficult thing to do because, as we talked about, for a certain amount of time, you often want the subplot to be more interesting because mm -hmm. that's why you put it there in the first place. So it's, it's a difficult thing not to do. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. difficult not to let that subplot take over because part of the reason it's there is because it's supposed to be cool. Um, why is it bad to let it take over? Yeah. For the same reason that you don't want a minor character to be more interesting than your main character because that's what they need to invest in. That's what the reader needs to invest in emotionally in order to make it all the way through your story. They need to be completely fired up about your main plot. They need to be you know, loving or hating your main character. And if all these other things keep distracting them, then it's going to be an anticlimax when they get to the end. I have had people complain that there are too many interesting characters in my comic. And that is a legitimate complaint. Um, I have made them interesting because... I am always looking for a way to tell a punchline, and sometimes I have to shift to another point of view yeah. in order to tell that joke. This isn't really fair for you because your motive with your comic is different than a lot of motives for our fiction is. You, the joke trumps pretty much the, anything Well, the, the joke trumps all, and also I, and this is gonna sound horrible because I, I use this word about things that I hate, I have to keep the franchise alive, mm -hmm. okay? The characters all need to be interesting so that if I threaten somebody, you care, yeah. and if there's somebody I decide to focus on in an upcoming storyline, you care. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason, getting back to my original question, I, I like what Dan said, and let me break it apart. He said, number one, I think he was, um, he was talking about your ending will feel flat. Um, and yes. that will partially come because your reader will get bored of a subplot pretty quickly because most subplots are not intended to be the overarching yeah, a plot. subplot doesn't mm -hmm. resolve with triumph. Yeah. A subplot resolves with a measure of satisfaction right. or disappointment. The, the characters are hunting for food in our example before. If you stretch that into the main plot or let it overshadow the main plot, they're always hunting for this food. It's going to be boring because that's not a book dominating and the place it, it where that could is likely be, but to happen. Then you'd have to focus on it very right. specifically, and it would be a very different book. Yeah, you'd have to, yeah. The place where that's likely to happen is, uh, well, let's say the author is somebody who has personal experience hunting, but is writing space opera. Right. And suddenly the characters find themselves out of food, and there is a subplot about hunting, and he revels in hunting for three chapters. Right. A good editor is going to say, we need to kill this darling. Yeah. And that gets pruned. Or if... You're reveling in hunting, and you're so good at it that it's becoming, it's dominating. It's the same sort of thing I think we said with side characters. Why not tell that story? Yes. Mm -hmm. Why not build a proper plot yeah. for that story, let it be its own book, give it its own three acts, try-fail cycle, all of this sort of stuff that makes a really great plot line, and write a book about you it. Know, and that's actually really good advice. If you're sitting down and writing for the first time, and you are worried that a subplot is taking over the story, you know what? Write it as interesting as you want to write it, mm -hmm. and when you get to the end of the book, hand it to somebody else and find out what they thought. Yeah. If mm -hmm. it's distracting, then you can cut it. If it's fascinating, they want more, and they're annoyed that all this other stuff was going on, you could make that either the focus of a new book, or you could revise the book. 
um, so it becomes the focus. But that's, we've done just a little bit do's and don'ts. Howard, do you have any do's and don'ts? On subplots? Subplots. Um, how the, do you... The, the, one, the, the one that people always come back to is how many is too many. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I, don't have a, I don't have a firm number, but... Uh, well, I say I don't have a firm number, and I'm going to give you a firm number. Um, three to five. Okay. And I got that number from of all places, PowerPoint presentations. Uh, when you're creating a PowerPoint presentation, never put more than three to five bullet points on a slide because the human brain can't track more than five, hmm. not without actually sitting down and taking notes. So you're saying three to five at the same time? Three to five, at sub, if you've got three to five running at the same time for a full-length novel, the reader is going to be able to keep track of it. If you've got six or seven, Mm -hmm. uh, the odds are good that people are going to say, oh, wait, who, who is this character? That may be too many. And mm -hmm. it, I think it depends on the type of book you're writing, your own skill as a writer. And George R. R. Martin has dozens of subplots going on in his books. Um, he's a writer beyond the norm, you might yeah. say. Uh, well, he's a fantastic writer. Well, I'm and, reading The Wheel of Time right now, yeah. and I'm only up to book five. Fires of Heaven mm -hmm. is four or Fire five? Of heaven. Fire of Heaven is five. Fires, okay, so I'm only up to five. And counting the number of subplots, I am pretty sure that I am only focusing on three to five subplots. Mm -hmm. I've got Rand, I've got Swan Sanche, I've mm -hmm. got uh, Nynaeve and uh, yeah. Elaine, yeah. And, and every so often we tune in on the villains. Mm -hmm. Four. Okay, Wheel of Time is huge. I know yeah. there's mm -hmm. far more subplots than that going on, but for that book, Jordan is staying focused on... I don't know. Um, I think we're. I'm gonna have to argue with you. Okay. That's a. You know, Wheel of Time better <laughs> than I, I do. I put 22 subplots into the Gathering Storm, um, and so the. You're wrapping up. Yeah, I'm wrapping up. But what I'm the, saying is, one of the things that it depends on the book you're trying to do and what yeah. you're trying to accomplish. The Wheel of Time is going. One of the things people like about it is for rereadability. When you read through, you can then pay attention to some of these smaller side plots and latch onto them. And also the sheer weight of it, the large numbers of subplots are what make the mm -hmm. yeah. feel epic. Yep. Um, but I think your advice of keep them smaller, particularly for newer writers, is great advice. And one of the things I pointed out before, if you look at the Wheel of Time, it starts with two or three. And then it starts to add. And mm -hmm. then it adds more and it adds more and it adds more until what's really going on is you have a three to five main plots, and then a dozen subplots. Yeah. One of the reasons that that is possible in Wheel of Time is because it has so many characters. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking at how many subplots you want to include, how many characters you have, and especially how many viewpoint characters, I think will give you a good idea of how many to include. If you've only got one guy, and the entire book is from his point of view, you probably don't need that many because... It, it, it would just overwhelm that character. You know, and in defense of my position, yeah. as a reader of The Wheel of Time, I only tracked three or four things. I'm sure there's more going on, mm -hmm. but I can only remember three or four. And, boy, as a, as a first-time writer, yeah. mm -hmm. I would recommend staying trackable. Yeah, cer certainly for first-time or, or early writers, I mean, I don't even use more than you know three or four subplots in a book because... It's very difficult to give them all the attention that they deserve. 
And as you mature and as you become a better writer, you'll be able to do that more effectively. Hey, last minute question. Um, do plot twists, you know, our, our whole po podcast on plot twists, um, do plot twists apply to subplots? Yes, um, because a lot of times your subplot becoming part of the main plot is a great way to have a plot twist. Mm -hmm. um, or like your, the, the tree yeah. hitting the submarine. Yeah. The tree hitting the submarine right. That's a, a plot a twist, plot yeah. twist that a big brought reveal. two plots together and mm -hmm. worked I really do well. think we need to ask one more question, though. Okay. Um, Lay it on us. How do we make our, our subplots feel real and three-dimensional instead of being just filler? I would... I would say that with the the plug, the, 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 I would stammer and take extra time to say you know, one, that <laughs> focus on little things that you know a lot about. Okay. Uh, I focus, my, some of my subplots are like office humor. You know, I just did schlock in the, in the office, uh, sitting behind a desk, not getting anything done. Boy, do I ever have experience with that. Mm -hmm. And and I, I milked it for a couple of jokes, and it's fun, and it feels real, it feels very three-dimensional, and we can then you know, move on to something else, and people feel like that was very grounded. Okay, mm -hmm. Dan? Um, you, you can see, especially in TV shows, where, where they tend to fall into a formula, that um, you, you can tell when the subplot is not pulling its weight, when it doesn't feel real. Um, the Simpsons is the first one that leapt to my mind because there's always a main plot and then there's always one subplot and within the first five minutes you know what the main plot's going to be and what the subplot's going to be and they, it doesn't always work. It, it's, a lot of the time it just feels CSI, like this is not working. When, first and, first yeah. three seasons of CSI did uh, A story, B story mm -hmm. and the first couple of seasons of Chuck did the same thing, an A story and a B story and with Chuck especially, the B story was something wacky is happening at the store, but it seems very grounded in reality. The A story is crazy spy stuff about a guy with a computer in his brain. Yeah. Um, but the I was B always annoyed by the B story in, in Chuck. I, okay. I always was as well. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I think that the um, answer that I would give was tr would be try to make your subplots either advanced character advance the main plot somehow by the end of them, or reveal something about setting. Oh, those are good oh, rules. Those so, are better rules than what yeah. I came up with. You're going to say something useful, Brandon. Gee. All right. We have gone way over time. So um, our writing okay, prompt. Okay. Here, here's our writing prompt. Okay. Um, by, by odd happenstance, Brandon and I are wearing the same T-shirt today. Well, two different you know, instances of a similar T-shirt. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> It, has, it, it is from an explosives company. Now, we all know why we're both wearing the same T-shirt, but your prompt is to, to write a story about why we are wearing an explosives and blasting T-shirt. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.